Welcome. You are listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. We invite you to join us online or in person for one of our services. For more information about our church, please visit day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life. Good morning, everybody. Can you hear me? I always like to check that because uh, back in the old days I was called Quiet John because my mouth would move and it was like nothing was coming out. People couldn't hear it. And, uh, and the story goes that uh, I had a dog named Ginny and whenever Renee referred to me when, I, when she was talking about the dog, she would say, Daddy this and Daddy that. Well, a friend of mine decided that I should be called Quiet Daddy. And so that's where uh, the name came from. Uh, If you're out there on Facebook, people that refer to me as Quiet Daddy have known that for a while, Um, but that's the significance of that. And I I figured I'd pass that along to you because it is hard to hear me, especially when I get emotional. Um, And my wife will tell you that... uh, (laughs) This morning, before I walked up here, God spoke to me. And when he speaks to me, it reaches right down in here. And it says, I'm here. He's in this room. He's all around you. His spirit is here. As the song said, the Holy Spirit has filled this atmosphere. And we get to enjoy that. Those of you that are in Jesus Christ can feel it. Those of you who know him can feel it. But you know, we also have an enemy, and that enemy wants us to feel like we don't deserve what Christ has to offer. Have you ever looked at yourself in the mirror and said, Why has God been so good to me? Why has he given me these gifts? Especially when I've been the person that I've been. I'm not worthy of what he has to offer. Have you ever felt like that? I'm going to tell you right now. It needs to stop right there. Because what you're hearing when you hear that voice is not from God. That's either the voice of man or even worse, the voice of the evil one. When I was called to preach a few years ago, the evil one did everything in his power to make me feel unworthy. He said, you don't know anything about the Bible. That was true at the time. But God was still there saying, you need to preach. You need to go to school. You need to learn. You need to get the understanding of Scripture to put in front of people. See, God is an encourager. Today, 
(laughs) We get to turn away from that voice of the evil one. We get to turn away because we have hope. Hope that comes in faith in Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to come together (laughs) and to bathe in your spirit, the spirit that fills this room. God, we, we thank you for the ability to understand that hope for us comes through the life of your son. And God, uh, as we walk through the message today, help us with understanding that that hope has been from the beginning of time, from the beginning of our existence. God, uh, help us to understand that it's all about him. It's all about Jesus. In his perfect name, we pray. Amen. When our pastor gave us the opportunity to to preach this week, I began praying about which scripture I would choose. And God led me to a, a passage in the Bible, and it happened to be one of my devotional readings that week. And it's out of the book of Isaiah. And you might ask me, when we're in a Christmas series, when we're talking about the hope in Jesus Christ, why I would be preaching out of the Old Testament. I want to tell you that this book is true. I want to tell you that from the very first page of Genesis all the way to Maps, this book is about hope in Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter where the passage comes from, it's about him. Jesus is the reason for this book to exist. Our hope in him keeps us in this book. It keeps us in our faith. It keeps us where we need to be. Isaiah was a prophet. Isaiah was, was one of the most important writings in the Old Testament. It's mentioned time and time again in the New Testament. Um, his <laughs> prophecies were proven true <laughs> time and time again. Through the writings of the New Testament, his writings were proven true. Isaiah prophesied from about 740 to 700 B.C., before the birth of Christ. Among other things, he prophesied about the exile of Israel and Judah, and he prophesied about the coming of Jesus. There are several messianic prophecies in Isaiah. He prophesied about how he would change the world. You see, the passage that I chose today is called a salvation oracle. And 
I reached out and I picked up my Luxem glossary of literary types. You all have one of those on your shelf, right? <laughs> I really don't have one. In fact, it's a book that doesn't exist. It's a digital book. Um, but an old, a salvation oracle is defined as this. It's a prophetic announcement of Yahweh's intent and power to save, redeem, and restore Israel, Judah, or the whole world. This is a salvation oracle. And it's found way back in writings from 700 B.C. Our salvation comes through Christ. So how was that possible? God's message today is the message it's been right from the beginning. You know, at the beginning, in Genesis, sin entered the world. And so the the first couple chapters of Genesis are about how we were created and how that happened. And the rest of the Bible, from there on, is about God's redemptive plan. That redemptive plan that includes Jesus. That includes that salvation that we can receive through him. So what I'm going to do at this point is I'm going to read the passage to you and then we'll unpack it a bit. This section is entitled Salvation for Foreigners, but there's so much more. It says in Isaiah 56, Thus says the Lord, Keep justice and do righteousness, for soon my salvation will come. And my righteousness will be revealed. Blessed is the man who does this, and the son of man who holds it fast, who keeps the Sabbath, not profaning it, and keeps his hand from doing any evil. Let not the foreigner who has joined himself with the Lord say, The Lord will surely separate me from his people. And let not the eunuch say, Behold, I am a dry tree. For thus says the Lord, to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me and hold fast my covenant, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. And the Lord... Oh... (laughs) And the foreigners who join themselves with the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants, everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not make them joyful, or and does not profane it, I'm sorry, I've lost my place twice, so I'm going to look up, (laughs) and holds fast my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer, their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be Accepted on my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. The Lord God, who gathers the outcasts of Israel, declares, I will gather yet others to him besides those already gathered. This is good news. This is good news. And it brings me to several points that are in this passage 
that are so, so important to us. The first point of my message this morning is that hope for salvation comes through faith. Reliance on God and repentance are outward signs of salvation. And I want to clarify something so we don't end up in a theological argument. Repentance is often part of the salvation formula. The desire to repent often enters our hearts before we reach the point of salvation. But continued repentance and the part that belongs in the process of sanctification is what I'm talking about here. So I'm going to rely on God. I'm going to be continuing to repent because that Holy Spirit lives right here after salvation. So again, it says that to keep justice... And, you know, I did, a, I did some after-the-fact word studies on the words that are in this particular passage. And, of course, this was written in Hebrew. And uh, I'm not very fluent in Hebrew. So I, I did some study on what the root meaning of the words were. And it's interesting because most of this passage is straightforward. Most of it can be literally transferred to English. But there's a few words that are just a little bit different. Justice, in this case, is a state or condition of fairness in disputes. So God wants us to keep fairness. And he wants us to do righteousness, which is the state of doing what is required according to a standard. So what standard did they have in the Old Testament? They had the law, right? That's the only thing they had back then. Jesus had not done the work on the cross yet. They didn't have a Bible to refer to yet. The only standard they had was the law of Moses. So there were people outside of God's chosen people that were abiding by his covenant. Why would they do such a thing? Is it not because those people had faith in the God whose covenant it was? Was it not that those people believed that what God's word said was true? This is a faith that works. And I think this is the next slide, guys. This is a faith that works. God is pointing out that people who seek him will be changed. And as a result... They will outwardly show this change by doing the things that please him. God was saying this through Isaiah, the prophet. We're going to change. I have met a few people in my life who have said, I've been saved. 
But after the fact, I don't see any change in their behavior, any change in the way they view God, any change in the way they pray. I know from experience, personal experience, that when God saved me, he changed me. My base desires in life changed. I went from being driven by sex, money, and power, selfish goals, and egoism, to being a person who wanted to serve the Lord, who wanted to give. Oh, God, I never gave anything to anybody before I was saved. I was as selfish as they come. But God changed me. He changed me to serve him. So if God saw that in the people in Isaiah's time, he would bring them to him. I wanted to take a moment because the text talks about the Sabbath. And there's several places in here where it talks about the Sabbath. What holding the Sabbath means. Holding the Sabbath, you know, God created the world in seven days, or six days, and on the seventh day, He rested. That day was to be kept holy. But again, when I did the study on the passage, the Sabbath has a deeper meaning. The Sabbath is something that was a gift to the people from God. It was a day of rest that we get to take. It was not something that we were to be legalistic about and create rules about. It was an opportunity for us to rest. And back in the days of the law, That's what we had. We had the things that he gave us. You see, today, it's different. Today, we have the Lord Jesus Christ to rest in. So today, we have an opportunity to rest. It doesn't matter if it's Sunday or Tuesday or Thursday. It's an opportunity that we get to rest in him. And it's an opportunity that we have to praise him. So understand, the Sabbath is a gift from God. It's not something that the Pharisees made it to be. And that was something to beat people over the head with. I'm so glad that we've got a God that's not legalistic. I'm so glad that we have a God who loves us right to the core. I'm really glad that we have a God who will save us through faith. You see, in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, it says, For you are saved through gra- by grace through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is God's gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. I have that tattooed on my arm. 
And the reason it's there is so I get reminded that it's not about me. It's about him. It's about the power that he has to change me. I didn't do it. I couldn't do it. You know, one of the single most compelling evidences that Jesus is alive today is the change that he brings to people in salvation. I couldn't do it. I couldn't become a person that could serve God. He had to do it for me. And it wasn't through anything I did. It wasn't through my works. I'm grateful for that. Because now I have evidence that God is in my life. I have evidence that he is in all your lives because I see the changes in you. Living in this community and and being amongst this body, I see the changes. I see people get closer and closer to Jesus. That only happens one way, and that's through the power of Christ. I'm so grateful to be amongst you. You know, I love all you people. I loved you the minute I walked in the door because you accepted me. I'm not usually this emotional. (laughs) I'm sorry. Um, But it's just where God has me today. That brings me to the second point. Salvation is granted by God's grace. Verse 3 says, Let not the foreigner who has joined himself with me or himself to the Lord say, The Lord will surely separate me from his people. And let not the eunuch say, Behold, I am a dry tree. And you might ask me, What is all this about foreigners and eunuchs? Back in the days of Isaiah's ministry, foreigners would certainly have been looked down on by the Israelites. They were considered pagans. They worshipped man-made gods, and they worshipped multiple gods, and they, they did all kinds of things that would not be acceptable to Israelites. But God is telling us here that he will accept the Gentiles. Who are the Gentiles? Us, right? (laughs) Thank God for that God, right? Because if we all had to be native Israelites, then our faith would be nil. We are adopted children of God. That can only happen through Jesus Christ. Eunuchs were another case that Israelites would not have necessarily accepted into the body of their congregation. And the reason being, most eunuchs could not have children. You see, eunuchs were either officers of a, of a king's household or slaves who were in charge of the harems or the women folk. 
some of them couldn't have children because they were altered not to be able to, and that's about as far as I'll go with that. Because they couldn't produce children, they weren't necessarily accepted by the Israelites. God is saying, let not the foreigners say that I'll be separated. If I look at the meaning of the word separated, it's cut off. Cut off from the people. He's saying, y'all are welcome. Come on. God speaking through Isaiah is announcing a new way of salvation. The coming of a new covenant in which people would be welcomed through grace to communion with him without regard to their background, their heritage, their race, or their history. This is a reason for hope. God's, or grace is God's nature. And hallelujah for that nature. He can accept me with all my faults. He can accept me with all the things that I did. I don't know about you all, but I got some stuff in my background I'm not very proud of. But God, through Jesus Christ, has forgiven me of those things. He's made me whole. That is hope. That is hope. This is a salvation that's not exclusive. This is a salvation that's inclusive. It's the only way I can be saved. And that brings me to point three. The promise of salvation is for all people. And I'm going to read this again and try not to stumble through it. For thus says the Lord, to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose these things that please me and hold fast my covenant... That word hold stood out to me in my studies. It says to be fastened in a position to another object by force. So when I hold it, I hold it with everything I've got. I hold fast his covenant. I didn't want to hold fast his covenant before I was saved. Today, I get to hold fast his covenant because I've been forgiven. I'm like a kid in a candy store because I get to do all these things now. I never had the opportunity 
as a selfish, unsaved person. So I'll move on. I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. That is cool. He says, in my house, this is God's house, which means his temple, his altar. And within my walls, which means within this protected area that he has for us. I love word studies. (laughs) It, It takes you good and deep. These are high walls, impenetrable walls. And he's going to give us a name better than sons and daughters. I couldn't find a better meaning for that than what what it is in English. He's going to give us a name. And that name shall not be cut off, meaning it's forever. And foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants, everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it and holds fast my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. Again, hallelujah. This is for all people. If I've got a neighbor who's an atheist, who says, God is not for me, I can say, that isn't true. It says right here, this is for all people. God made this statement again to us in Scripture. And it, it surrounded around the birth of Jesus Christ. And I'll remind you of that Scripture. Luke 2, 11, or 10 to 11 says, And the angel said to them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This is a salvation for all people, not just some. If we take that in just a little bit, It talks about the whole world and everyone in it. It talks about all the people. There's no better way to translate that than the way it's written right there. It's everyone. And that is a source of joy. That is a source of hope. It's a source for all my hope. Before salvation, I was blind to that. 
I thought I was doing pretty good. I thought I'm a pretty good guy. I don't steal from people very much. I don't lie to people enough for them to notice. I do good things for other people, right? With a motive to get something for me. That's the way I was. In this covenant, I get to be part of the whole. I get to be part of God's team. I get to be a person who wants to do things without things coming to me. I get to do these things. That's hope. I don't have to go to hell. It's not a requirement. And no matter how much the evil one talks to me, I'm worthy to go to heaven. Just as you're worthy to go to heaven, every one of you. No matter where you stand with Jesus today, you have an opportunity to get close to him and find your way to eternal life. You'll have an opportunity to live in a way that you could not imagine as an unsaved person. But this only comes through the birth of our Savior. And I want to bring that to point four. Thank you, guys. (laughs) Hope for salvation for all people comes with the birth of our Savior. And I found this scripture in Titus that, that spoke to me as well. God guides me to these things. You know, at the beginning of the, the message, I skipped over something that's really important. The scriptures I chose today were not my choice. They weren't just things that I looked up and said, oh, this will relate to this. God led me to these scriptures. He said, go here, go there, and I followed. So he brought me to Titus, and he said, read this and help people understand it. Titus 2, 11 to 14 says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. If that doesn't say what I've been just trying to say better than I could ever say it, I don't know what does. We get to do this stuff because God welcomes us to his family. We get to do this stuff because we have hope in him through Jesus Christ. It's a hope that I live for today. That's the change. That's the change that can come to anyone in this room. You see... Isaiah spoke of Jesus over 700 years before he was born. 
In all, there were hundreds of prophecies about our Messiah. Some people say 304. Some people say other numbers. But there were a lot of them. And the chances of having one man come to this world and fulfill all those prophecies is slim to none. I think we had the calculation up here uh, uh, last year sometime that showed all the number, number of zeros that would come be, be, uh, in the odds. I mean, I think it's one in 28 quadrillion would be the odds of one man fulfilling all of the prophecies and fulfilling them 100% as Jesus did. I'd say that makes it one and impossible. But Jesus made it possible. Jesus fulfilled the scriptures 100%. They were all fulfilled in that one man. He came to earth so we, he could share his love with us, teach us, live a sinless life, and then die a death of atonement for us. I owe my life to Jesus. I owe everything I am to Jesus. After completing this sacrifice, this atoning death, the substitutionary death, and taking on all our sin, Jesus was resurrected and appeared to many for about 40 days. And then was ascended to the right hand of God the Father in heaven. The grace of God appeared. Our hope appeared. That all happened when Jesus appeared. When Jesus was with Pilate, right before he was crucified, Pilate asked him a question. Pilate said, why are you here? Any of you remember what the answer to that question was? He said, I'm here to testify to the truth. The truth is that we are saved through Christ. We have salvation because of him. There's only one God, the God that we understand. Through his son, we can make it to him. It's the only path that we have. I want to ask the band to come back up, and while they're uh, coming back up, I'd like to talk a little bit about our Savior. Our Savior was born to a virgin. That was a prophecy. 
<laughs> a prophecy that came true. He did live that sinless life. Nowhere recorded is a sin on the part of Jesus. He lived in, in a body which made it possible for us to touch him, for us to interact with him here on earth. You know, before Jesus was here, the only way you could talk to God was through a priest. Now that Jesus has been here and he was here in the flesh and we got to touch him and speak with him, and when he died, the curtain to that special part of the altar got torn. That special part of the temple got torn. It gives us the right to speak to God as a son, as a daughter. We're royalty, folks. Thank God for that. Thank God. But Jesus lived that sinful, that sin-free life. I almost tripped over that one, didn't I? <laughs> And how did he get rewarded? People ridiculed him. They mocked him. And they put him on a cross to die. When he was on the cross, he said, uh, God, forgive them. For they know not what they do. When he was on the cross... He saved a person who didn't know him. A criminal. That's the nature of our God. A God who wants all of us to be in a close personal relationship with him. If you do not know Jesus Christ today, don't leave here unchanged. We don't know if we have tomorrow. We don't know if we have 15 minutes from now. I don't know if I have 15 minutes from now. But I want to be in that position where I get to be before Christ. And I get to be before him as a person known to him. I don't want to be that one that he says, I did not know you. So I invite you, if you'd like to come to the front and pray, if you'd like to come and talk to me about salvation, if you'd like to talk to Pastor Lynn about salvation, there's many other people in this room who will help you find your way to Jesus if you want to get to him. So I invite you to do that this morning. Come and pray with us. Come to that one who has the way for us to have salvation, for us to have that pathway to eternal life that was not possible before he was on this planet. Come to Jesus today. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, we, we pray that those in this room who do not know you will feel your presence, will feel <laughs> you talking to them. God, and as they sit there with their hearts pounding out of their chests, God, we pray that you bring them forward, that you bring them to you, whether it be at the altar or in their chair, God, help them to understand that all it takes is a simple prayer to you, to begin a relationship with you that can change their lives. God, uh, help them to understand that all they have to do is is come to you and say, God, uh, I'm a sinner. And I want you, Jesus, to be a part of my life. I want you to be the lead of my life. I want to confess to you that (laughs) I have done a lot of bad things in my life. But God, (laughs) I know that you'll help guide me to eternal life through you. God, uh, we pray these things uh, in, in the holy name of Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening to this sermon audio production from Day 3 Church. We pray that it has ministered to you. For more information about our location, service times, or other sermon podcasts, please visit us online at day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life.